4: I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this holiday weekend. It is Sunday, May 28th. The year is 2023. This is Scoop podcast episode 417. Like always, I'll start by emptying out my figurative notebook. Then we will get to these conversations. One with Twins boss Derek Falvey. The Twins hit the one-third mark of their season after Monday's game in Houston. So we figured, hey, good time to catch up with the Twins boss. Ryan Saunders, Denver Nuggets assistant, former Wolves head coach. The Nuggets will play either Miami or Boston game one Thursday night NBA finals. How cool. Ryan gets to coach in the NBA finals. Jake Irvin, Bloomington native. Starting pitcher for the Washington Nationals. He'll detail his journey to the big leagues. Elijah Hawkins, new Gophers point guard, presumably starting point guard. He's going to play a lot. He's a transfer from Howard. And finally, Drake Lindsey, Gophers football quarterback commit 2024 from the state of Arkansas. He is the grandson of former Vikings running back, Jim Lindsey. So fun conversations that we will get to in just a second. Emptying out my figurative notebook, I begin with the Twins in no particular order. Willie Castro, nice game on Saturday, his first career multi-home run game. So back in December, the Twins convinced him to sign a minor league contract. He then wins a job during spring training. But back in December, the Twins beat out both the Mets and the Red Sox to sign Castro. So both those teams were trying to get Castro to also sign a minor league deal. The Twins convinced Castro, hey, come to us. Don't go to New York. Don't go to Boston. He steals bases. He's versatile on defense. Hey, I'm not against any minor league deal. This is one that has worked out very, very well. Caleb Thielbar and Kenta Maeda will head to Buffalo at the St. Paul Saints this week for rehab assignments. My colleague on the radio side, Score North side, Judd Zolgad, told me to check on this, that Caleb was hoping to go to Wichita, not all the way to Buffalo, that he thought, hey, okay, it makes sense. I've been out a bit too long. This oblique injury maybe sidelined me a bit longer than I anticipated because I'm telling you, like early on, it was thought, hey, 15 days and Caleb would be okay. You think about that Twins bullpen. They really, really miss Caleb field bar. But that maybe he didn't want to go all the way to Buffalo. Like would Wichita Double A have made more sense? But hey, in the end, it's the Twins' decision, not Caleb. So Caleb Thielbar and Kent Maeda on their way to Buffalo with the Saints this week. Max Kepler was running on the field Sunday morning. He told us post-game on Saturday, us being Channel 5, KSTP Television, the ABC affiliate here in the Twin Cities, that he'll be good to go in a couple days with his injury situation. So Max Kepler should be activated here very, very soon. Jorge Polanco dealing with an injury, twin second baseman. He told me in the clubhouse on Friday. He, too, is very close. Later on Friday, he was going to run at 100%, ran at 50% earlier in the week, was in the hitting cage, swinging okay. So Jorge Polanco, point is, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, not long-term injury. So the Twins, with all these guys on the injured list, are getting guys back here pretty darn soon. More on injuries with Falvey in just a few minutes. Royce Lewis eligible to be activated off the 60-day injured list on Monday. In theory, he could be on the Twins airplane to Houston later today, be in the Twins lineup on Monday in Houston. I don't know what the final determination is yet. They have not told Royce as of Sunday morning, hey, like plan on being at the airport later today. Whether he's in the lineup Monday in Houston or maybe it's Thursday at Target Field against Cleveland, or maybe later in the week. Point is, Royce Lewis is on the cusp of rejoining the Twins. Not sure there's much more to accomplish at AAA. Hit another mammoth home run here over the weekend. The Twins had four scouts at the SEC baseball tournament. You think about LSU having some guys that will go, heck, probably 1-2 in July's draft. You think about Wyatt Langford a Florida outfielder, actually played some center field this weekend, showing some defensive versatility. I guess he played some center and fall ball, but mostly has played left field. He hit a home run on Saturday, exit velocity, 117 miles per hour. Now, who knows if he gets all the way to pick five? Remember, this was the first time Major League Baseball did the draft lottery. So the Twins shot up. They were not supposed to pick as high as pick five, but They had a lot of luck on lottery night. They moved all the way up to pick five. Really good spot to be in with this July draft. The Twins are going to get one heck of a prospect. I just wonder if the two LSU guys are off the board. Is there any chance this Florida outfielder gets to pick five? There's two upper echelon high school players. In fact, the Twins' scouting boss, Sean Johnson, was not in Alabama for the SEC baseball tournament this weekend. He was checking out some high school action, was watching the SEC games on television, but in person, he was checking out some of these high schoolers. So those high schoolers are in play at pick five, but I'll tell you what, Wyatt Langford is one heck of a prospect. Other years, he would be the first pick, and he may get all the way to pick five. Oh, my God, if he gets to pick five, I hope the Twins run that card up to the podium. I checked on Aaron Hicks. I had some people ask me, hey, Are the Twins interested at all in a reunion with Aaron Hicks? He is now an outright free agent released by the New York Yankees. As of Saturday afternoon, the Twins have not made any sort of inquiry. There is zero steam at this moment as I sit here and record this that the Twins have any interest in a reunion with Aaron Hicks. On to the Vikings. I am told first-round pick, the receiver from USC, Jordan Addison's absence on Tuesday from OTAs. Not a big deal. I mean, he was there. He just didn't participate. Wasn't told specifically what the injury setback is, but told, hey, nothing to worry about. Starting right tackle stud Brian O'Neill was rehabbing off to the side on Tuesday. It is still trending in the right direction for him being ready to go when training camp opens in late July. Now, do I think he'll be full go, like that first day, full pads, all that? No, I mean, it'll be a slow ramp up. But Brian O'Neill on pace to do stuff during training camp, then ultimately be ready for the start of the season, September 10th against Tampa. Seventh round pick, the running back from Alabama Birmingham, Dwayne McBride. He continues to rehab his hamstring. I'm told that's not a big deal. Yeah, hamstrings are tricky, though, right? Like maybe not a big deal now, but that could be one of those recurring injuries. But I'm told, hey, like if this was a game week, he would be okay to practice with the team, go out there. On Sunday. So point is, his side doesn't believe this is any sort of long-term concern, but do know he was not taking part in the running back drills when we had access last Tuesday. He was off to the side doing rehab work. We'll be out there again on Tuesday. So we get more access coming up here on Tuesday, the 30th of May. Dalvin Cook's scuttlebutt. I brought this up on Score North on Thursday. Let me make this very clear like in January I still see Dalvin Cook being an ex-Viking when the season starts I just don't see him back here but somebody I know told me hey there's some buzz you might want to check on this that Dalvin hey he loves it here his teammates love him I'll make this very clear Dalvin Cook is about as popular a player as there is in that Vikings locker room he is beloved by many that hey There may not be a lot of money to be made on the open market. Like, who really needs a running back right now? That Dalvin could be having a change of heart saying, hey, you know what? Maybe taking a pay cut, remaining here in Minnesota for the 2023 season isn't the worst thing in the world. Remember, back in January, I said, hey, he's not interested in taking a pay cut. Harrison Smith took a pay cut. Jordan Hicks took a pay cut. But that Dalvin Cook, not interested in taking a pay cut. But now, five months later, Reading the room, the landscape of the market, hey, maybe it makes sense. We see Austin Eckler. We thought Austin Eckler would be a former Charger. We saw that this week. He redid his deal. He remains with the Chargers. Somebody told me in the know, hey, you might want to check on Dalvin having some second thoughts. Doesn't mean the Vikings are changing their tune, but I'm just saying, hey, Dalvin really likes it here. His teammates love him. Maybe there is some genuine interest in remaining a Viking in 2023. But let me make this very clear. Let me stress again. I still see Dalvin Cook as an ex-Viking in 2023. But hey, like two weeks ago, I would have told you 99.9% chance he is an ex-Viking. Now, you know, maybe I lower that. Maybe it's more like 85 or 90%, right? Now with just, you know, the window open ever so slightly, right? He's still a Viking as of today, May 28th. Right, I'll continue to track that situation. Daniil Hunter wasn't at OTA's on Tuesday. Remember, this is not like mandatory, like this is voluntary. Like he doesn't need to be here. Now there is a mandatory mini camp in mid-June, so that's when it could ramp up. Bottom line, I still see the Vikings taking care of Daniel, giving him a bump up in pay that Daniel Hunter is going to be a Viking here in twenty twenty three. I've been asked about DeAndre Hopkins. He's now in the open market. No, there just there isn't Vikings. DeAndre Hopkins' team, I do not see DeAndre Hopkins ending up with the Vikings. The Vikings continue dialogue with Justin Jefferson's camp on a contract extension. He, too, wasn't at OTAs on Tuesday, not something I would necessarily worry about. Like, the Vikings are going to take care of him. It's when, not if. So, like, him not being here for this voluntary portion of the offseason, like, not something I would be concerned about. I've been asked about, hey, do the Vikings have interest in extending guard Ezra Cleveland's contract? He's in a contract year. No steam so far. In fact, I had somebody tell me, hey, you might want to check on the possibility that the Vikings could eventually shop Ezra Cleveland. No actual steam on that at this point, but you've got Dalton Reisner, good guard, still out there in the open market. So far, the Vikings have not reached out on Dalton Reisner, but the Vikings offensive line coach has the connection with Reisner, came from Denver, was at Reisner's wedding, right? So, like, you connect some logical dots. You say, okay, if the Vikings had an opening, Reisner would make some sense here. But there just isn't any Reisner steam so far. Nothing on an Ezra Cleveland extension, though, so far. So I mentioned Smith and Hicks, Harrison Smith, Jordan Hicks, voluntary. They have family, so they also were not at TCO Performance Center on Tuesday in Egan. But again, not something that I would stress over at this point. There's no real Mark Coyle to USC steam. Been asked about that with the Gophers athletic director, but he does know Sandy Barber well. She's in that USC committee mix, has her fingerprints on this USC search. So I can't help but think, okay, Mark knows Sandy real well. Does Sandy at some point bring up Mark's name? Ultimately, not sure. I see Mark leaving Minnesota. For LA, but you think about it, he's bounced around Syracuse, Kentucky. Yes, from Iowa, went to Drake. So he's a Midwestern guy, but his kids are older. Like, if Mark Coyle ever was going to make a move, now seemingly would be the time. But in the end, I think USC goes a different direction. I still think Mark is still figuring out name, image, likeness, NIL. Like, if you're USC in the LA market, like, I think you need somebody that really, really knows the nil landscape i'm just not sure if mark is that guy right now so ultimately i think mark Coyle ends up staying here but you could see why like there's a lot to like you know now i don't know about you know press conferences and all that but behind the scenes there's a lot to like about mark Coyle. so i could see a school like usc or another big school having interest in Coyle. but i'm telling you i see mark Coyle staying here with minnesota the Wolves had front office staff members Manny Rohan, Matt Lloyd, Zarko Durisich, among others, in Southern California this past week for these agency pro days. So they saw a bunch of draft prospects working out like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in Southern California. Draft workouts at Mayo Clinic Square will ramp up here in the coming days. The Wolves have picked 53 in June's draft. They have that second-round pick. But no first-round pick from the Rudy Gobert trade. Nico Bolden from Woodbury High School let go the other day by the Carolina Panthers. They signed him as a priority undrafted free agent, but it turns out he needs his meniscus repaired. He will undergo that meniscus surgery, I'm told, on June 3rd. So hopefully he gets that meniscus healed up and he can latch back on either with the Panthers. The 49ers liked him entering the draft. So hopefully he'll have some options, at least go get some workouts with some teams once that knee is healed up middle of the summer. All right, let's now get to interviews. Let's begin with Quinn's president of baseball operations, Derek Falvey. We hit him on, hey, will Byron Buxton play center field at all this year? Kenta Maeda, could he potentially be in the bullpen, not in the starting rotation when he's back here? In a couple weeks after his rehab assignment, just overall state of the team thoughts at the one third mark of the season, plus a lot of injury updates and where trade talks stand. Here's my conversation from the other day with Derek Falvey. Eric, next week we hit the one-third mark of the season. So how about just the state of the team at the
1: one-third mark? Oh, well, uh, I can't believe you're saying that. I, I'm just processing it as you said it. But you know, ultimately, you know, with where we are right now, we're, we're in a position in the division we want to be in. right? From a, from a standing standpoint, hopefully we continue to build on that. We've had some really good outcomes on the mound. I, I'm so excited about what our starting pitching staff has done for us, uh, what the overall pitching group has done to keep us in a lot of games, even when our offense hasn't gone as well as we'd like it to. So uh, hopefully we'll get some guys healthier here in the next couple of days. And, and get everyone back and see our full team on the field and keep pushing toward building on hopefully what is a lead for the AL Central. Not just five guys in that rotation. I mean, you got some really good depth. Yeah, that's what's been nice. We've had to tap into it a little bit, right, with guys going down and ultimately watching a guy like Bailey Ober come up and do what we know he can do, watching Louis Varlin come up and do what he can do. You need guys to do that through the course of a season. While we all wish it was just 26 start, start to finish and you could put your feet up, it's not like that in this game. So we just got to keep our guys going. We were watching Ketamate out there. Long toss. I mean, he has to be relatively close. Maybe rehab assignment first, but he has to be close. Yeah, rehab assignment's going to be a big part of the next step, but I will tell you that from what we've seen out of his bullpens already, he looks as good as he's looked all year, even going back to spring training in terms of ball coming out of his hand, the way he feels, the quality and sharpness to the pitches. You know, bullpens are one thing, but you can see it when you actually see the quality of the stuff. And so as he continues to build off of that, now we need a rehab assignment because he's been down a good amount of time. We need to build up those pitches. We need to see how he feels between out and ultimately hopefully build back toward what we know Kenta can be on the mound for us. What is that exactly? Like, Is it for sure starter, or like, could you use him in the bullpen? Well, I think our approach right now is he's a starter, and we're going to build him up that way. Uh, the reality is you can always work backward on any pitcher you have from building up. You can't work the other way. Guys out to 15, 20 pitches, and then you ask him to throw 100 the next day. That doesn't work. So our view is let's build him all the way back up. Hopefully we have difficult conversations to be had at the back end of that where we think we have at least five good starters in the mix. But we want to be prepared. Obviously injuries play a role through the course of the season. We're going to want to make sure that he's fully built out the offense a bit of a roller coaster? It has been, certainly. There have been times where it felt like we were breaking out of some of the the slump that we've had offensively. You know, When you look at it in aggregate, we're still above average in runs scored. The way we've done it is a little bit inconsistent. Uh, Overall, league average offense, we can be better than that. Everyone in that room would be the first to tell you that. We went into the season thinking our pitching was going to be good, our defense was going to be good, and ultimately our offense would buoy us at different junctures. We haven't seen that as much, so we need to continue to take those steps forward i think getting guys healthier and back on the field will help us with that hopefully we'll see that in the next week to come how do you view batting average? I mean, is it an old-school stat, or just do you look at the numbers and say, I know these guys, just in terms of batting average, they can be higher? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're looking at each player individually. Some guys are going to be more reliant on batting average. If they're a guy that has a little less power, a little less on-base skills via walk, well, they're going to need to put the ball in play and get on base that way. But then you have other players who drive a lot of their value out of walking, getting on base, and hitting for power. And so we need a blended approach to our offensive approach, but we don't look at batting average alone. We look at the entirety of how we contribute to scoring runs and ultimately that's getting on base and driving him in. One of those guys, Joey Gallo, happy with everything you've seen when you made the move in December? Yeah, absolutely. Joey's been everything we could ask for and then some. We expected a bounce back. He had a tough last couple of years, you know, certainly last year going through a trade, having to go to different places, uh, but we've already seen from him you know, true uh, commitment to what he's been trying to achieve, which is get on base, hit for power, and the, and the play at first base. You know, he's played really good first base. We know he can play the outfield too. He's just added to the versatility of the lineup. Up the word trade, so I'll just I'll throw
4: it to you. Yeah. Like, do you already plant seeds? Yeah. Like, you're going to be buyers this summer. I'm positive you're going to be buying
1: something or some position or multiple positions, are those talks already underway? Yeah, it's, it's early for a lot of that stuff. I mean, as much as we'd like to uh, accelerate some of those conversations, there's a lot of teams still in the mix and still trying to figure out where they fit going into the end of July. So uh, while you said it's the one-third mark of the season, it takes a lot more for teams to decide ultimately where they are. Hopefully we are exactly where you said in that buyer position. That's our mentality. That's where we expect to be. So we're prepping with that in mind. But ultimately a lot of that trademark gets done at the, uh, closer to the end of July. Reliever. Kind of an obvious position of need? Well, I think I look at our group and I, I, I look across the board and I think if guys perform the way they should, both in the starting group and the relief group, we're going to have a, a really deep and talented group. Same on the offensive side. We're not really at that point. Things can change as we see every week. Every week things change, whether you have an injury or maybe underperformance or maybe another guy steps up for you. We'll see where that shakes out and ultimately get to the end of July. How do you evaluate the job Rock was done? And I saw, I don't know if you guys ever put it out
4: there, but there was a report this week, maybe you saw it, that mm-hmm. you guys picked up some sort of option or he's now under contract to... Through- I think it's 2025, but maybe you can offer clarity on that.
1: Yeah, we don't talk specifics about kind of lengths of deals or otherwise, but when he originally signed here, we obviously had a subsequent conversation during that time to, to go additional years out, and ultimately, Rocco we feel, has done a great job for us. He's a partner across the board. He loves being in Minnesota. He loves the Minnesota Twins. He wants to do everything he can. He goes to bed. He wakes up thinking about how he can make the Minnesota Twins better. That's what we ask for in that room. Our players all talk about how they, they'll run through a wall for him. They'll do whatever he asks, and ultimately, that's the kind of lead you want in that chair, and I'm really happy we have
4: them now we have the news based on his wife's instagram that they're having twins so just add it to the mix
1: i was gonna say when he told me that i I wasn't gonna reveal that early i was afraid i was by accident along the way i did find out before the instagram post uh, a little while back now but when he told me it was twins you know the the first you have that gasp but then you say man this is it was destiny for you to be here in minnesota
4: is it planter is the pronunciation fasciitis fasciitis i don't know how to pronounce it but when i hear that the planter
1: whatever with correa i'm like oh no Yeah, you know, I'm not sure I can pronounce it any better than you just did, so I'm not going to try. But ultimately, it's just something he needs to manage. And hopefully, you know, in some cases it it can get a little worse. Some cases it's better. We feel with where he's at right now, the way he's come in the last couple of days, it's tracking in a really good direction. So uh, I remain hopeful that he's going to be in a good place here in the next couple of days. Maybe an IL stint, though, just to get through the 10 days? Our our hope is to avoid that. And ultimately, with him walking in today and how he's feeling and tracking in the right direction, that's our expectation right now. Obviously, you need to assess these things day to day and see how our guy's tracking and progressing. But as it stands today, I'm hoping we avoid that. Byron Buxton, will we see him in center field at all this year? Yeah, you know, it's, as we said all along, there's not some specific crystal ball or magic date where we, we are talking about that. Ultimately, we are responding to, to Byron with the player, how he's feeling, how it's working with the trainers, how he's progressing. The key for us is keeping Byron in the lineup. And, and, and part of this Minnesota Twins team, we've said that for the last few years. He's done that. He's been a part of this. Even just last week when he dealt with a little bit of soreness, had a lot of volume of running, was a little more aggressive on the bases, a little soreness for a day, peel it back a day, keep him going, and he was right back in the lineup. So ultimately we'll take that day-to-day. I'm not ready to answer that question yet, but hopefully we continue to see him in the lineup having a huge impact on our offense. What else stands out to you as you evaluate these first 50 games? You know, it, it's, it's probably the consistency, as you said. You know, ultimately the consistency of our offense, making sure that we keep it, going in that direction, I think that for me, even when we go through the tougher stretches, we've had some good stretches, we've had some tougher stretches along the way, how our guys show up every day and I think that's a testament to the type of team that we have. You know, they're ready to go, they're ready to contribute. Every guy on the bench finds a way into, it seems like every game I think Rocco's used the bench really well to find a way to mix and match at the right times and maybe get a guy in, steal a base when needed and ultimately I think we're in a good spot as a result of that. Yeah, we're seeing some more stolen bases even the last couple of weeks, right? I mean, the roster you have, you should probably steal some bases. Yeah, in some cases, right? So it's player to player. I think, you know, when you look at a team stolen base number, sometimes you can look down at a team and see a guy that's got 20 all by himself and the team's stolen base number is really high. Well, that might not be a team thing. might be the individual player. And I think that's the way we look at it, too. When you think about when Nick Gordon was healthy, you know, the ability to run when he was on base. I think what Willie Castro has been able to provide for us, Michael Taylor, Buck, when the right time presents. We want those guys to run on occasion. Catchers, a little less so, right, across baseball. That's just the way it is. So ultimately, we want to make sure we maximize each guy guys' ability to impact our game positively. Is there a timeline on Nick Uh No, at this point, it's going to be a while. You know, there's no other way to put it. Uh, that kind of fracture in that location, you, know, you want to make sure it fully heals. So at some point, we'll have a timeline along the way, I feel, for Nick. Uh, it's been a really, you know, struggle for him um, ultimately, but it's going to be a little ways from now.
4: Updates on some of the other injured guys. Royce Lewis, we were over there in St. Paul the other day, he looks great, but I guess more importantly, he told us
1: he feels great. Have you been over to St. Paul? What's the dialogue like with Royce? Yeah, we've seen, I watch every video every night morning, so it's great. You know, we get so many angles. We can watch so much of them. So Royce is tracking really well. He's got a few more days on the rehab assignment. That's the way this works. We want him focused there. We're not talking to him about anything about here. We're just focusing on how we can get him as ready as possible.
4: God, there's so many guys. Where do I even start? How about this one? This will surprise you. Austin Martin. What's the latest yeah. on Austin Martin?
1: Yeah, Austin's tracking in a good direction. You know, he had that elbow injury in spring training. We were very careful about it just because of the uniqueness to it. He's tracking in a good direction, starting his swinging, moving into the next phase of his rehab process. So right now we feel really good about where he is. He's not ready to go back out there in full, but it's, it's been positive to this point. Caleb Fieldbar. Yeah, Caleb Thielbar is another one that, much like Kenta, is tracking toward that next rehab assignment phase. You know, he's a pretty tough kid. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. When you have an oblique strain as a pitcher, sometimes that can track for a while or you feel it right away and you can't throw another pitch. He probably was feeling a little something there and still pitching. And that's just the kind of guy he is. That's the way he goes. Once we finally got a look at it and he revealed he was dealing with symptoms, ultimately we realized he was going to need some time down. Hopefully he's tracking here toward a rehab assignment soon. How incredible is his story? Like... You just think about it. I mean, you can make a movie out of his story. I think someone should along the way. You know, he's. the problem is he's too humble. He's not going to talk about himself. You know, this is a credit to a kid who obviously started off his pro career in one direction, ended up an in independent ball, ended up outside of the game, probably thinking about what's next in life, and then committed himself off-season training, programming, and now he's back pitching in the big leagues, and he's just doing it every time he gets the ball. He, it's another day that he appreciates being here, and I think that, that rubs off on a lot of guys in that room. Trevor Larnick. I mean, the fact he's here, that has to be good news. Yeah, good news. I mean, hey, anyone who's dealt with pneumonia, and pneumonia, flu, you know, the combo, the impact on your lungs, the impact on your chest, obviously, we've talked a lot about that. We want to see how he tracks physically. You know, obviously, swinging the bat, all those things, that's secondary. you got to be able to uh, get your wind and feel good and get your legs under you. And while you have that, it was like this, you're beat up. You're kind of laying down. You're not doing a lot of physical activity. So now we got to get him back on the physical activity train. The fact that he's here is a good sign, and now we'll get him back to full health. Max Kepler, we saw him hitting, or I did on Monday. He's out there again, so... I mean, good news there. Yeah, Max is tracking really close. So, I mean, I think at this point, he was going to do a full workout today. I haven't gotten full reports on that yet, but if that tracks well, and he tracks well over the course of the weekend, hopefully we are talking about activation here soon. And Jorge Blanco, I mean, he was out there too. Yeah, same deal. A little behind Max, just because of the timing of when he had his injury, but ulti- and when he can come off the IL, but he's got a little bit more time ahead of him. We want to push him. It's a hamstring injury. You want to be careful with those things. You want to make sure that it's resolved before he gets going again, so we'll just take that as day-to-day. If he continues to feel good, hopefully we'll see him here in the next week or so couple more Chris Paddock still tracking like August oh I think with Chris we haven't put a specific date on when he wants when we're going to pitch him ultimately but our focus for him is just get him back in full it's a second Tommy John for him we don't want to think too quickly but at this point everything he's done Chris is probably as a ten of a worker as we have and he continues to feel probably even better than the checkpoints would indicate at each of those checkpoints so let's just make sure he's in good shape but right now we're fully expecting him to come back to full strength.
4: Tyler Malley surgery went well on
1: Monday. Yeah, everything went well for Tyler. You know, you feel for a guy like that who's who's entering that last year, entering free agency. We felt like he had a real, uh, real chance to impact us this year. Ultimately, when that ligament goes, it it's not the first time you see Tommy John across baseball. So uh, we'll get him back to where he needs to be and hope and wish him you know nothing but the best through this recovery. And otherwise, he will reach free agency at the end of this year. But we're excited about what his future could bring for him. There's a lot of crazy things in baseball, but Cano with the Orioles, who was here last year. Like, who in a million years could have seen that happening? Yeah, you know what? I give him a ton of credit. Yenner's made some adjustments. He's in in a good spot. These are the realities of all these trades that you make. You hate trading away players you really like. He was one of them. Ultimately, to get a guy like Jorge Lopez to be a part of what we were trying to do last year and this year, You know, it's hopefully one that works out on both sides because those are some of the best trades, the ones where both sides look at it and say, we both got real value out of this one.
4: Sure, it's still relatively early on the trade front, but I can tell you, behind the scenes, the Twins have had internal discussions about potential trade targets. I'm told even some seeds have been planted. Yeah, I imagine things don't ramp up until after the 4th of July, but like the Twins are going to be buyers. The question is, how many players do they buy? But I see the Twins acquiring help come at some point in July. Like, is it just one reliever? Is it two relievers? Is it a reliever and a bat? But, like, the Twins are going to be active at the trade deadline. So that work is already underway. All right, let's now transition to Ryan Saunders, former Wolves head coach, played his high school basketball at YZ, then was a guard for the Gophers. He gets to coach in the NBA Finals. It's his first year as an assistant coach with the Denver Nuggets. He's mainly in charge of the defense, or at least has his fingerprints on the defense, has a close relationship with Nuggets head coach Mike Malone. The Nuggets will play either Miami or Boston. Game one of the NBA Finals on Thursday night. I caught up with Ryan the other day. Ryan, always good to see you. Like, life can change really fast. Like, I think about give or take a few weeks or a couple months. But, like, this time yeah. last year, you're putting my older son Droogie is. Friends threw a three-on-three <laughs> workout to get them ready for Midwest <laughs> three-on-three league. Now, fast forward a year, you're getting ready to coach in the NBA Finals.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to see you. It's good to be talking to um, another familiar face from Minnesota. And and yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's been a great year, great year here in Denver, and in a lot of areas. And you know, but you talk about you know looking back on a year ago and putting. Drew Gee and, and some, some of his buddies through a workout, you know, hey, ba- basketball is basketball at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I think that's something, you know, and I know we'll talk more about the nuggets here, but I think that's something that's been really cool with this team is that these guys just approach every day, um, with a, with a passion to work and a passion to get better and an ultimate goal in mind. And, um, you know, it's just been, been a lot of fun to, to really re find that again and see, see a, a collective group of guys really work towards that.
4: I mean, just how cool is this that come next Thursday, game one, like can you visualize Thursday night, game one, NBA Finals, just how cool that's going to be?
3: Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think I think it's one of those one of those situations that, you know, other than Contavious Caldwell Pope, none of us have been to that that situ- situation. Um, but you know, we've all we've been doing is is really just focusing on the task at hand. And whether that was the Timberwolves series, um, the Sun series and the Lakers series, and then now awaiting our next opponent. Um, that's one of the great things about this, not just the organization, but but as a whole, but, you know, these players, how they buy in, um, the coaching staff, ev- everyone, um, you know, we just focus on the work that needs to be done, and it's been really refreshing.
4: When did you realize this group could do something special? Was it as early as, you know, day one of training camp? Yeah. Like, was it before yeah. training camp? When did it click for you, hey, this group can do something special? <sighs>
3: Yeah, I mean, pretty much when I saw Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray touch a basketball for the first time, yeah, I mean, and and then you can go down the list of the other guys who have been unbelievable contributors to, contributors to this team. Um, but the things that Nikola does, uh, just incredible. I mean, just the way he affects the ga- affects the game, um, not just with scoring, but you know how he gets his teammates involved, his unselfishness, um, but also just just his passion to win and his passion to work. Um, you know, I've, I've said it a number of times and whenever somebody asks me about Nicola, you, you can't help but, you know, do everything you can to try to um, be your best to try to win a championship because that guy does everything he can on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I know he, he might not get a lot a lot of coverage, but he's a guy that uh, he does his work in, in you know, silence, which I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, especially young, younger I guess younger age kids, you know, if they're watching, you know, it doesn't always have to be on YouTube. You don't always have to post a workout on Instagram. You can just be about the work if you're really trying to get better. And he's a great example of that.
4: I mean, were you surprised when he didn't win the MVP? I mean, you and I went back and forth. I mean, you know, and I get it, the voting is subjective, right? And, hey, you know, Embiid deserves all sorts of credit. But you look at the total body of work, not just the final two and a half months. Like, Jokic,
3: right? Uh, hey i mean he he's always uh will always be my MVP, uh, you know just just after being around him and seeing you know the effect he has on winning and the impact um but you know i think he he said it you know best the other night, and that's that you know other guys are deserving as well, and you know just his humility um you know once again that's a quality that i think everybody you know within an organization you know you you just can't help but you know, become more humble because he's such a humble winner. And, uh, you know, he just has that effect on people.
4: Did you see flashes of brilliance with the Nuggets even going back to, so it was that playing game, that de facto playing game. Yeah. You would have been on the bench, right, as an assistant, yeah, right? I was there. Yep. And so you would have been working under Tibbs, right? And so you guys beat Denver. You guys end up as the eight seed, that Jimmy Butler yep. team with the Wolves and all that. So, like, I'm just wondering, like, even if we go back yeah. five years, did you start to see shades of brilliance? Oh, now? yeah.
3: Yeah, you, you and we've talked about it a lot, actually, as a, Nuggets coaching staff here, um, you know, just that game and and you you could tell they were onto something special. You could tell Nikola was a budding superstar. You could tell Jamal um, was on the cusp with something great. Obviously, he's worked through you know an unbelievable amount of injuries. Um, and then you know they had a number of other guys. You know, different group group now, but um, the way they were building, you know, with different pieces around around those guys, um, you could see they were going to do something special. And um, I'm just glad to be a part of it now.
4: So take us through your specific duties. So what's keeping you busy now, the next few days, and heading into Game One?
3: Yeah, I mean it's uh, Coach Malone does a great job of delegating, and and um, you know everybody's got a hand in something here, and and your voice is always heard. And um, you know I I I primarily you know handle uh, work with the defense. Um, so you know there's a lot of game prep, a lot of scouting, you know, for your next opponent. Tougher when you don't know who your next opponent is. So um, you know it's really just been been workouts and, and and you know practice we practice today um just focusing on ourselves understanding that we're in late May um we can fine tune some things that we know are staples within our defense within our offense and uh then just wait on our, our opponent and then really dive into you know coverages and and how we how we're going to try try to uh, get four more wins
4: yeah i mean that's the key right i mean this is a wonderful accomplishment so far but ultimately you need four more right like we don't often remember yeah. we do to some yeah. extent who loses in the finals but you remember the champion. So, as great as this sure. is, I mean, is the collective mindset? I mean, do your guys understand it, Ryan? That hey, like ultimately, we need to get oh, yeah. these four more wins.
3: Oh, this is a, this group is so locked in, and it's been you know so much fun to be a part of that, and just see these guys and their approach and how coachable they really are. Um, and throughout the whole playoffs, you know, nobody was saying, "Hey, we got to win," you know, one more when we were up three, you know, three zero. Against Minnesota, nobody was saying, you know, we got to win one more. When we were up three zero against the Lakers, everybody was saying we got to win, you know, whatever thirteen more. We got to win, you know, twelve more. We got to. It's always been about you know the ultimate goal. So um, you know, I can't can't say enough positive things about this group.
4: What's the synergy like with? with coach Malone. I mean, and that relationship yeah. goes back, right. When, when your dad brought him in, so he gets fired by who was it Sacramento and, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and your dad reached out and said, Hey, come to Minnesota for a little bit. Is that when the relationship yeah. began? Yeah.
3: yeah. We, we had known each other a little bit on, on kind of, I guess the assistant circuit, you know, just saying hello and stuff. But then he and I got to spend, you know, some time together. Um, you know, I think as he, as he was able to spend some time with David Adelman, who was on that staff too, because he was around us for, you know, a good chunk of time. And, um, you know, we just got to know each other, uh, you know, became friends. But also, you know, I think we, we developed, you know, a positive dialogue when it came to basketball. And, you know, I'm sure David did as well during that time. And um, then, you know, fast forward how many years later and things kind of just work out. And so it's been uh, it's been great. I mean, he's there's a reason, you know, he's one of the best coaches in the NBA and uh, his his tireless work ethic and just, you know, his his connection to to his players Um, is incredible and it's been a lot of fun you know sharing these experiences with you know coach malone as well as david adelman and uh you know where we all kind of grew up in it and saw our dads have you know some level of success um you know for us to be sharing this together we we were talking about down the plane actually coming back from la the other night which which was a cool moment
4: you could even take it a step up right to the front office with with Calvin Booth, like, I think about the moves yeah. he made, your front office made. I mean, you mentioned Contavius Caldwell-Pope, but you think about Bruce Brown, Christian Braun. Like, with all due respect to Tim, and you know Tim well, and hey, you know, Tim's got his detractors here because of the Gobert trade, but he's got fans too. I mean, he made a lot of good moves, right? The Conley oh, trade. Yeah, yeah. Worked Tim. out Kyle Anderson, one of the greatest free agent signings in Wolves history. Sure. Connolly knows what the heck he's doing, but yeah, like, he made these really good moves. I don't know if you guys are here without those Calvin Booth moves.
3: Well I think both both those guys have, have done you know great jobs and have acquired you know unbelievable pieces um, for us and now and then you know in Minnesota Tim has already acquired you know really really good pieces um you know as, as they're they continue to build and, and and work towards you know the the ultimate goal um, but you know we, we love what we have here in Denver and it's just been a joy to be around these guys
4: how proud would your dad be right now
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he'd be proud. He'd be be saying, you know, hey, uh, it's great, but go get four more. Then we can talk. Um, So, you know, he's and and my mom talked about it the other night. You know, it's it's a a spot that he never got to. So, um, you know, in terms of being in the NBA finals. So she said, you know, for me to be proud of that as well. And, uh, you know, I I think that, you know, there's something that sometimes can get lost, lost in, I guess, the, the shuffle of everything is that you know, my dad. He he was never somebody who who pushed me to to you know be in this role or doing that or you know I he he has always said, hey, you know, do things for yourself. And so he he would say, you know, you don't need to do it to make me proud. You know, do it to make yourself proud. And so you know, uh, I'll always continue to try to work for him, but I'm also you know proud of you know what this group has been able to do you know collectively.
4: I mean, you reach it, and you're not even forty. I mean, think about just all the years you have coaching ahead, Ryan.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh that that's the hope. That's always the hope is you uh you continue to coach and and the goal going into each season that is to have short summers because if you have short summers that means that you played into June. Um and I'm I feel really fortunate that, you know, I have that opportunity this year and um you know, just to be a small part of that with this team um is uh it's been great because it's it's really just a great group of guys that unbelievably coachable. Um, the way they sacrifice for each other, um, players, you know, coaches, training staff. I mean, it's just, it's been a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, you know, you, you just hope you can continue that, continue that run. And um, you know, and then as you move forward uh, down the line, you know, if if it's somewhere else, you know, you hope you can bring that same type of mentality and aspect um, of what you're kind of learning in this moment too um, to wherever else, you know, God puts you.
4: How much do you yearn to be a head coach again, right? And and just being on the biggest stage possible. I mean, that can only help your yeah. profile. I'm I'm very
3: content with. I, I've never been somebody you know that has said, "Hey, I need to get to this point at this age, or I need to get here, I need to get there." And I never said, you know, I'm, "Hey, I, I need to be the head coach of the Timberwolves." For for me, it's all and and you know if and people can always say what they want. Um, for me, it's always just been about you know what comes tomorrow and how you can do you know, your best work, um, within whatever role you're in right now. So I'm, I'm very content with the role I'm in. Um, love working with coach, love working with this group. And, um, you know, down the line, like anything, if, if something happens for me, great. Um, but if something does not happen for me, um, I'll continue to work the way I, I know how to work. And that's just attack each day, um, from early in the morning. And, you know, just cause I got young kids now, now I, I get up, it's not getting right to work. Now I, I spend time with them, but uh, get up early in the morning, work, and then, you know, go to bed, making sure that you can put your name on that day. And that's always been my mindset. That's not going to change no matter what my role ever is.
4: Deep down, you're you're rooting for for Miami just with the connection with Jimmy. And you think about, like, the process here, like, you know, the Wolves and, heck, I mean, Anthony Edwards being here. I mean, you had a lot to do with that. And so you think about that series and then, you know, D'Angelo Russell history there, you know, with the Western Conference Finals. So, I mean, just the history with Jimmy, you know, just Mm -hmm. continue a trend here.
3: Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I know I know one thing, and that's whoever is in the finals, you know, from the Eastern Conference, it's going to be, you know, a hard fight um for us. Uh both teams are are really, really talented and both teams um do a lot of things that uh you know show up in the box score but also don't show up in the box score with um Miami, especially with how hard they play, um, you know, the culture they've always had. Um and then you look at a team like Boston, the way the way they've been uh, last night. I mean, they looked like a team that, um, was on a mission. So no matter who it is, um, I know we'll be, we'll be excited to be there and, and, and we're, we're itching to to know who our opponent is.
4: Remind me, do you have a history with Spolster, a relationship? I mean, yeah. yeah. Like at one point even, was there some talk of maybe you ending up in Miami, something like that?
3: Yeah, We've we all, we've always had, had a relationship, a friendship. And I think he, he's, he's one of the good guys in the NBA, you know, obviously a great coach, Hall of Fame coach, but, um, he's, he's been great to me. And, and, you know, and especially when I got let go in Minnesota, um, I met him uh, on the road when I was in DC and long dinner and, and got to spend time and kind of hear, hear about, you know, their group and stuff. So it, you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a just a great person more than more than a great basketball coach. He's a great person. And he's a childhood friend of David Adelman um, from Portland. So that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good nugget that, that, We'd like to help David out with his, with his buddy from growing up.
4: Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I had no idea on yeah, that one. Yeah. When I bring up Ant, just I mean, you talk about your responsibilities, you know, a lot on the defensive side. I mean, you could have tried a million things in that series against <laughs> Minnesota, I think Ant was gonna find a way to overcome.
3: Yeah, didn't yeah, that that was a tough one. Uh no, it's I, I said I said the other day, um, when somebody asked me about Ant, you know, he's he's uh it's been fun to watch him, you know, continue to grow. Um, you know, players every year they you know with when you have his type of mindset you're you're going to continue to get better and um the way he can score the ball it's he's not fun to game plan against and uh you know just with the force that he plays with um his aggressive scoring mentality um but also you know just the way he's he he's been shooting the ball um through the play he was shooting the ball through our series um made it tough on us so you know it, it's uh yeah he, he's he's looked really good and i know you know he's got a lot of great days ahead of ahead of him, and and uh, a number of uh, playoff games ahead of him as well.
4: I mean, that was a heck of a series. I mean, the optics suggest, and it's sort of forgotten because it was so many weeks ago. The first round, yeah. it was four to one, right? But yeah. like all five games, right, or at least yeah. four were like really yeah. good games.
3: Yeah, no, it, it was it was a great series, and uh, yeah, I mean, you, you saw the talent that's on that roster, you know, in Minnesota. Um, you know, you look like, at guys, you know, they have, you know. Countless number of guys, uh, you know. I want to say what to the to the point of it where it's you know four or five guys who have been all stars now. Four guys, um, you know, they 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 have a lot of talent on that team, and uh, they showed that. And um, but you know, so it was good. It was a good first round matchup for us to uh, be tested in, in a sense, and and continue to work towards where our ultimate goal is.
4: So you, the family, you've acclimated well there to Denver. Does Denver feel like home?
3: Yeah. Uh, Minnesota is always going to feel like home, um, for us. So, you know, we're, we're always, we're always going going to have, you know, a soft spot for there. And, and uh, but Denver, Denver is definitely a, a great place to, you know, have a, a I guess, feel like it's a second home. Um, people have been great. Uh, kids love it here. Um, my wife loves it here. And, and to me in the end, that's the most important thing is the fact that, um, those three, uh, th- they're, you know, loving it here in Denver. And, um, yeah, we, we have no complaints, and we're excited at some point to be able to spend some time back in Minnesota, you know, during our short summer, um, but, you know, in the end, we we we, we do love it here, so uh, but Minnesota will always be home.
4: I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, win or lose, it is a short summer, right, because, you know, next thing you know, I mean, I don't know how involved you are with, you know, the pre-draft process mm-hmm. and watching some prospects work out, and, you know, whether it's free agency, whatever, yeah. and then you're probably in Vegas, right, for, for summer yeah. league, and... Like there's not much of a summer, is there?
3: No, no, uh at, the NBA has turned into a year, year-long uh production and um you know which there there's a lot of things that that you know we're involved with um and it's fun. It's it's why we you know if we hey, we choose this p- profession, it's why we do it. We we enjoy being in the gym, we enjoy being around people. Um we enjoy trying to evaluate and we enjoy um the misery of trying to game plan uh for players like Anthony Edwards. Um, for you know whoever it is we see in the finals, the Western we saw in the Western Conference Finals. You know we we love that as coaches, and um, so I'm 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 good with it being a year
4: long thing. I hit you with a couple more. So give yeah. me a little bit on Jamal Murray, and do you remember like the pre-draft process? Was that 15 or 16? But remember, Calipari yeah. was like, "Hey, he wants to go play with Cat Minnesota. You need mm-hmm. to take Jamal." And ultimately, you guys go Chris Dunn, not Jamal Murray. Yeah. But, like, remind me of like that time yeah. and just the evolution yeah. of Jamal the last few years.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that anybody who, who takes a look at Jamal and, and what he's kind of had to experience, um, you know, you, you couldn't help but root for him. And he's his approach, uh, you know, we see how talented he is as a scorer. Um, we see, you know, what he gives defensively. He's been great for us defensively this um, playoffs especially. Uh, but then also his leadership too and his ability to make tough tough baskets during clutch moments. Uh, is something that, you know, we've really, really relied on, and, um, you know, so it's it's been great, and then, um, yeah, as for, as for the draft process, you know, I, I wasn't too involved back then, so I don't know what the, the nuts and bolts of everything, um, I just know that there there were a number, of, you know, really talented players within that draft, and, you know, it's, uh, in the end, it, it works out for everybody.
4: Yeah, it did. I mean, heck, if Jamal's here, then you know, he may yeah. have been traded, you know, anyway to Chicago for Jimmy or it's not yeah. here now. Right. So yeah, you, you never know right. how everything plays out, plays out there after yeah. anything. We didn't touch on Ryan, that, that people should know about your, your journey.
3: <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think, I think I, I would, I would just say that it's uh, you know, when I come back to Minnesota in, in the summertime and you know, I'm, I'm, you'll see me out, you know, running the lakes or out at the grocery store or, or like taking my son to the movies, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I, I just I I still encourage people in Minnesota to hey, don't don't be a stranger because uh, I'll always love Minnesota and um, even though I'm not working there, um, I'm really hoping we can win four more games and uh, Minnesota can feel feel something about having you know I guess a, na- a native um, of of their own uh, you know in in this in this moment um, you know do, doing some, hopefully doing something to to contribute to uh, to a winning environment here so. Uh, just look forward to seeing seeing folks this summer.
4: Maybe you can kickstart a new tradition. So, like you know, NHL team wins Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, you know, for a day, right? With each individual player, coach, whatever. How about that'd be you, great. Larry O'Brien Trophy? Like you guys hey, win, that? and maybe it's a Target Field or something for a Twins game. That'd be awesome. It is. But you with the Larry O'Brien Trophy here in Minnesota.
3: That'd be awesome. I don't think my insurance would cover it, but that'd be awesome,
4: <laughs> Ryan. It's always great to see you. You too. Saunders is only 37 years old. It's when, not if, he'll be a head coach again. It might be five years from now, right? It might be when he's 42, 43, 44, but I am positive Ryan Saunders will get another chance to be a head coach in the NBA. One of my favorite people, easy to root for, Ryan Saunders. We now transition to Jake Irvin, another great guy. Played his high school baseball at Bloomington Jefferson, then went on to the University of Oklahoma, was eventually a fourth-round draft pick of the Washington Nationals, shot up the Nationals system. But, hey, a lot of pitchers have to undergo Tommy John surgery. Jake, in 2020, had to undergo Tommy John surgery. So that was a setback. But now things are looking great. He is now a member of the Washington Nationals starting rotation. He made his Major League debut earlier this month. Soon after his Major League debut, I caught up with him. So I haven't caught up with him since his last couple starts, it have been a bit rocky, right? I mean, he's still acclimating himself to the big leagues, but he got off to a nice start through his first three starts. So this conversation happened after Jake's third start, but it's still plenty applicable. He lays out his journey to the big leagues, growing up, playing in the Bloomington system, all that good stuff. So here's my recent conversation with national starting pitcher, the pride of Bloomington, Jake Irvin. Jake, great to see you. I appreciate you doing this. I'm curious, are things still a whirlwind, or have you had a chance? Like, I'm thinking maybe the off day last week, but, like, I'm wondering if you've had a chance to just reflect on this journey, how cool it is. Then, to me, like, the cherry on top, your three starts so far, against three legendary franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, the Mets. Like, to me, this is as good as it gets.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I wouldn't say I'm getting settled in too much anymore, but I think having my family here, having everybody here for the debut kind of helped me process things uh, right away. So um, definitely got settled in pretty early and uh, things have been feeling good, man. It's I think it was nice to get on the road right away and have some time to myself, you know, able to reflect on things. But at the same time, remembering that it's still a long season and um, there's a there's a big mission moving forward.
4: Yeah, on that mission, I mean, to me, Jake, I mean, does the real work in many ways now begin that it takes a lot to get to this point, but that it may be harder to maintain this position so you don't get sent back down and, hey, it's a business, options, weird things can happen. But in many ways, like, is it harder now to maintain your spot versus getting to this spot?
2: Um, you know, I think most guys would probably tell you that it is. Um the way that I look at it is that it's just about consistency, you know, um, trying to be as consistent as possible and you move up the minors and it takes a while, you know, for a reason. And I think that's kind of to prepare you for this moment. So um, just have been kind of preparing myself for this for the last few years. And now being here, it's, it's all about consistency. So um, I think for the most part, uh, trying to do the same thing day in, day out, work really hard. and Uh, Prepare my body and my mind for every fifth
4: day. Take me back to that moment a couple weeks ago. You're at AAA. I don't know if you were specifically in Rochester or on the road, but take me back to that moment when you got the news: Hey, you're going up to the big leagues.
2: Yeah, um, our manager in Rochester is actually former twin Matt LeCroy, so he was the one that gave me the call. And uh, funny story: He, the first spring training I ever went to in Fort Myers, Matt LeCroy threw me my first big league ball. So. He called me and he's like, I know I threw you your first big league ball. Now I'm going to be the first one to tell you that you're going to the, to the big leagues." So it was pretty special. Pretty cool.
4: Did you have a welcome to the big leagues moment? Like, was it soon after walking into the clubhouse? Heck, was it on the first really nice flight, that flight out to San Francisco? Heck, maybe <laughs> some other moment. Like, what was your welcome to the big leagues moment?
2: Um, I think that when I had finished my debut, Walking off the field, I kind of looked up and saw my family up there. And for me, that was kind of the welcome to the big leagues moment, you know, getting a round of applause from them and the rest of the crowd that was that was pretty awesome.
4: Has your dad always been that passionate? I hear, did he coach you <laughs> growing up? Like there was some video on on the nationals TV feed like he's he's doing the arm motion on the strikeout, like he yeah. was really into it,
2: yeah. he he's always been that passionate. He's definitely very animated and um he was fired up it was pretty
4: cool so the first battery you faced was a nico horner yep and you hit him i did just (laughs) nerves or i mean that was crazy
2: no i wasn't nervous at all um that was kind of the funny thing about it was there was no nerves going into it like i said you prepare yourself for that moment and game plan was to run a two-seamer up and in and got it a little bit in there so uh You know, things like that happen. Just kind of got to laugh it off and get to the next pitch.
4: So you faced a bunch of big leaguers, right, during spring training. Did that in many ways prepare you for these starts that you knew, okay, doesn't matter if it's Dansby Swanson or Eric Cosmer or Nico Horner or, heck, Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, right? You k'd those guys in your most recent start. Like, just facing, you know, some big leaguers in the spring, how much did that prepare you for this moment?
2: Definitely. Um, You know, I think just kind of being a part of the big league locker room, uh, getting to know our guys, getting acclimated with those guys, uh, you get to see how they go about their work and you learn a lot from the way that they go about their business and uh, how they handle the day to day. So I think just learning a lot through that process was uh, kind of a big step forward for me. And uh, just learning that, hey, everybody ties their shoes the same way. And we're going to go out there, put our best foot forward, and just compete.
4: Remind me when you underwent tummy John surgery. When was that? Uh, the end of 2020, October. Okay, so let's go back to October 2020. You're laying in that hospital bed. If I said, hey, Jake, less than three years later, you'll be pitching in the big leagues. What would you have told me?
2: Man, um... Probably took a lot of hard work to get there, you know. Um, I think that that whole rehab process just kind of put everything into perspective. Um, Really teaches you to appreciate the day-to-day and kind of everything that you do on a daily basis, you know, being where your feet are, making the most of that day and not looking too far ahead. So, um, you know, I told you I was very grateful, that's for sure.
4: When did this dream, when did it really, really hit you? that it can become a reality, that I can get to the big leagues? Like, to me, was it when they added you to the 40-man? Was it, you know, out of Oklahoma, you get drafted relatively high, you know, signed for a nice signing bonus? But, hey, there's still a lot of work to do. So, like, when did it hit you? Okay, like, my dream is to be in the big leagues. That dream can indeed become a reality.
2: Right. Um, You know, I've always had high hopes and high expectations. But um, I think the biggest time that it really set in was – Going to the alternate site in 2020, um, pitching there. I got to throw at Nats Park once. And, you know, um, I think that was kind of the start of it. You know, this is real. This could happen. And then getting added to the 40-man this offseason, you know, it's just kind of a big boat of confidence from the team, you know, that they see me as a part of what they're doing here. So uh, that definitely helps a lot.
4: Another cool element to your story is, Just the totality of all the local guys that have made their major league debuts in the last, I mean, even if we go back to last September, like Mm -hmm. Louie Varland, Matt Walner, Gus Varland, the young man from Delano who's in the Mets bullpen, right? I mean, there's a bunch of guys. Bush from Invergrove Heights was in the Dodgers lineup recently. I don't know if he's still up or not. You, like, you know, like it's becoming more and more a norm that Twin Cities kids can indeed reach it to to the majors.
2: Yeah. No, it's really cool. Um, I knew growing up, you know, just playing against a lot of those guys that there is talent in the Twin Cities. And, you know, it might be a little harder to find, but, you know, if it's there, they'll find you. So um, props to those guys. You know, I know most of them and they're extremely hard workers and very good people. Got to face Walner and Louie this year when St. Paul came to Rochester and you know, good to see those guys on the field. And then seeing Muck and Hearn last night out of the Mets bullpen, he looked great, too. So it's, it's just really cool, man. A lot of guys from an area where, you know, big league talent isn't typically developed, but uh, pretty awesome and definitely shows you that dreams can come true from anywhere.
4: What has surprised you? Or heck, has anything surprised you?
2: I don't really know. I, I think at this moment, I'm just, you know, trying to do the best that I can to help our team win every day, whether that's me being on the bench, picking up on something that I might see or, uh, on my start day, you know? And I think that just being involved, um, being more involved in what's going on and being less impressed with just being there, it it just kind of, uh, makes everything feel a lot more real. So, uh, trying not to get too caught up in, you know, just being a big league ball player and, focusing more on helping us win and doing whatever we can to take a step forward.
4: I'll be frank. Here's what surprised me, Jake. Now I wasn't watching, you know, every piece of video. So the numbers don't always tell the story. Like your Mets start, right? I mean, you get pulled, you know, your defense maybe could have made a play or two, but heck your defense has been really good through your mm-hmm. first three starts, but I'm not sure looking at your numbers against the Mets tells the story of how you did against mm-hmm. the Mets, but just looking at your numbers from AAA. a, I guess I was surprised you got the call when you did. Mm -hmm. Like, how were you pitching at AAA? Were you surprised when you got the call? Um,
2: I wasn't very surprised. You know, I I was ready for the moment. I think when I left spring training, I kind of knew that. Um, Going up to Rochester is the same sort of deal. Be where your feet are. Enjoy every day. And um, I was working and preparing like I was going to be in the big leagues at some point this year. And um, was just fortunate for that to happen at the beginning of May. Um, but yeah, all in all, I I think that I was throwing a lot better than the stats probably looked at Rochester. You know, I was throwing the ball well, um, pitches were all working, you know, hitting my spots. And sometimes, like you said, the ball, just baseball can be a cruel game. Ball doesn't always go your way. And, um, had a couple unlucky breaks, but here with the team, like you said, the defense has played fantastic and uh, just hope to keep it going.
4: On those pitches, so remind us, what's what's in your arsenal? What are you throwing? What What is working when you're having success?
2: Yeah, I throw a four-seam, two-seam curveball and changeup. I kind of think that, for me, having success means that everything's working, um, not necessarily one pitch or another. And um, the good thing for me is the unfamiliarity that these guys have uh, coming up here you know the scouting report's not as big as most guys that have been in this league and uh, I'm just trying to you know throw a steady mix at these guys keep them off balance and hopefully get some weak contact.
4: What are some keys then I mean what sort of adjustments will you need to make as as that scouting report on you grows?
2: Um, I think it's pitching to hitters weaknesses as well as my own strengths you know um, looking at the report and seeing where those things kind of match up but At the end of the day, you go out there and compete with your best stuff. Hopefully, uh, it's good enough to keep guys off balance every time.
4: On your curveball, I mean, looks like it has more bite than I'm accustomed Mm -hmm. to. Like, have you really worked on that pitch?
2: Yeah. Um, I think at the beginning of this season in Rochester, it was only okay. And I knew that it had to be big league ready. So, me and the pitching coach down there, uh, Rafael Chavez, we worked really hard to you know, make sure that that was where it needed to be. And so far, so good. It's been a weapon.
4: You have bragging rights now and like Cole Aldrich, Kevin Lynch, the mother Bloomington Jefferson great oh. athletes over the years?
2: Not quite yet. No, not quite yet.
4: It's a nice list though, isn't it?
2: It is. It is a solid list.
4: If I had told you, so, you know, we connected in whenever that was, October at Herbeck Field, and I think you said you had played there growing up, mm-hmm. so another one of those. Like, hey, what would you have told me as you're sitting in that hospital bed, October of 2020, if we had, you know, talked, I don't know, 2007 or 2008, you're 11 or 12 years old, 15 years ago, if I said, hey, Jake, let's fast forward 15 years, May of 2023, you're going to be in the big leagues. What would you have told me?
2: (laughs) I think that delusional little kid would have probably said you're right. (laughs) I mean, so you just, you've always had that passion. Yeah, I would I would have. Yeah, I would have probably asked you who was coming with me from my team. You know, I just I loved the game so much as a kid and still do. I mean, that's what that's what keeps the drive going. It's the love and the passion for the game and um, just lucky and fortunate to play it every day. So um, <laughs> as a little kid, I would have been ecstatic. No doubt about it.
4: Jake, what else is important for us to know as, as we tell the story of of your journey here? Oh, just it's,
2: I think it's kind of the same thing with most guys that are here, you know, um, a love and passion for the game will take you a long ways, but the hard work will put you over the top. And um, it's taken nothing for granted and always being grateful, you know, a heart full of gratitude is a magnet for miracles. And I think that that's just kind of what I look to do every single day, do something special. And, Uh, I'm really lucky to be surrounded by a great group here in D.C.
4: How much have you tweaked your mechanics, your pitching motion? Is that different, or was that changed a couple years ago?
2: Um, You know, after Tommy John, I made a couple small adjustments, and obviously having surgery will do that. A couple small things this offseason, you know, nothing major. Uh, My step back used to be pretty pronounced, and now it's very subtle. Uh, more of a step forward, um, but it, it's it's a lot of lower half stuff, more so for me using the lower body more efficiently and more effective and um, helps, uh, you know, take care of the arm a little bit better.
4: The best part of Jake's situation, he had to find an apartment in Washington, D.C. His time in the hotel expired He knows he'll be up at least for a bit here, right? So he had to find an apartment. So, hey, that's a good problem to have. So Jake Irvin now, a fully-fledged member, although, hey, right, it's a business, right? I mean, he could be optioned at any point, but the Nationals are rebuilding. To me, it would be a good opportunity the rest of the summer to let Jake grow, to let him figure out what it means to be a big leaguer. So I am rooting for Jake Irvin to remain on the Nationals' 26-man roster throughout the season. But hey. We know how fickle it can be, how much it can change, snap of the fingers. But, hey, Jake, just keep doing your thing, buddy. You're one of my favorite people. I've known Jake since he was in high school, featured him for a TV story back in high school. We've stayed in touch the last nine or ten years. So I really, really enjoy Jake. All right, let's now get to Elijah Hawkins, new Gophers point guard, presumably starting point guard. I think their new backcourt will be Elijah Hawkins and the Pepperdine transfer. Mike Mitchell Jr. I caught up with Elijah recently. He's a transfer from Howard University. Elijah, congratulations. I appreciate the time. Take us through why the University of Minnesota, why do you want to be a golden gopher?
5: Uh I just feel like it was the uh coach Bear had the best decision. I mean the best place for me. I feel like he had the uh he was most genuine with me and uh I feel like he really want to see me do good and for the program of the Gophers to do good. And I feel like in order for that to happen, uh, we both need each other. And I feel like uh, it's going to be great. And I have a lot of pieces around me to uh, play at the best of my potential and make the Gophers uh, a March Madness team.
4: Ben's offense. What you learned in your visit here over the weekend? How does that fit the way you play? How does the offense he wants to run? How does that fit your skill set?
5: Um, you no, know, uh, Coach Ben, he showed me a lot of, uh, a lot of film on, on last year, and the guy played with Talon Cooper, and um, I feel like that was the that was the best. I feel like it was good. Uh. Good system for me. I feel like uh, a lot of ball screens and, and stuff like that to help me get downhill. And I feel like he just he lets his guards uh, explore and kind of like uh, <clears throat> be the, the the head of the team. So I feel like that was good for me, and I can make my teammates better uh, while I'm playing.
4: So is it safe to say your visit here over the weekend went really well? Take us through how the visit went. What stood out?
5: Um, you know, uh, first, uh, the first day I took a tour of the campus, uh, got to see all around and and what was good. It was actually uh not what I expected. I expected way different. Uh, Minneapolis is definitely a good place. It's, it's a nice city. I feel like it looks good out there, and it, it reminds me of DC a little bit. It's Just not as chaotic. It's a little more, you know, um, chill. So I feel like a good place for me to go and, and lock in and stuff, so I feel like that was good on the first day. Second day, uh, um, I was touring the facility and <clears throat> and we were uh, watching a lot of film and stuff, and once I seen the film and, and the facilities, I feel like I'm going to be able to get uh, stronger and, and more athletic, I feel like, in that system. And uh, I also feel like the skill development is gonna be a good piece too uh with twenty four hour germ access and stuff like that we can have all of day here hours, stuff like that's gonna be good for. Me.
4: Take me back to that moment when you told Ben when you told the staff, maybe it was before you left to head back home. Maybe it was yesterday you can take us through how you told Ben, yes, I want to be a gopher, but take me back to that moment and how happy the staff was
5: uh I told him yes. Yes, no. It was two days ago. I told him two days ago uh, when I got back. The day after I got back, uh, I called Coach Ben and and I let him know he was he was very excited. And the whole coaching staff, uh, they reached out to me and told me how excited they were and how thrilled they were to get started and and start uh, this summer and going into the the new season. So it was great.
4: Are you one Elijah that has a chip on your shoulder, like? I saw all your accomplishments going back to high school. You played at to math. I mean, one of the legendary high school programs. I saw were you nominated for the McDonald's All American game? But like do you feel like at five foot eleven people have slept on you? You have a chip on your shoulder.
5: Yeah, for sure. I never feel like that. Um for sure I would feel like that before all my life. I feel like I've been, you know, underrated. Uh, I feel like <laughs> I think- Covid year stuff that kind of messed up my, my recruitment, so I feel like uh, going to Howard definitely gave me opportunity to show my talent, and uh, I feel like we really, with me and my team, we we really made Howard uh, put Howard on the map this year, so it's definitely good for us and Howard.
4: I mean, expound on that. I mean, did I see right? So you helped lead Howard the big dance for the first time in like 30 something years like how yeah, proud was... are you of that accomplishment
5: Sir, so appreciate it how mm-hmm. proud are
4: you i mean just expound on that that you were able to help lead howard to a place it hadn't been in three decades
5: uh, i was definitely very excited knowing that uh, this is my hometown school and uh, i love all the people around at howard I feel like this place is like home to me, so I definitely love this place. So it definitely means a lot to you know help them to help uh <clears throat> do something that hasn't been done in 30 years. is definitely a big accomplishment for me.
4: That being said, easy decision or hard decision to enter the portal?
5: Uh, it, it was definitely a hard decision. Uh, just 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 all the uh. Just so the fact that um this is my hometown school and I and I've been here for two years and and it's it's not been nothing but good to me. So it was definitely a hard decision to make, but I feel like it was just best for me to, you know, try to do something different and expand my game. So that's what I felt like I had to do.
4: Describe to us your game. If you had to write a scouting report on yourself, like what what kind of player are you?
5: Uh, I feel
4: like,
5: um, I feel like I can do it all. I feel like I play, I I play a defense. Um, I'm definitely a great playmaker. I feel like that's that's probably my best attribute. Uh, playmaking. I feel like I can make my teammates better, but not only my teammates, but I can definitely score whenever whenever I want to. So I feel like that's uh. That's something I could do. So I would say, like, maybe like a playmaking. I don't know, playmaking shooter, I guess, because I can shoot threes too. So
4: yeah, uh, I mean, forty something percent it. from three point range? I mean, you had a really good three point shooting year this past year, didn't you?
5: Yeah, I was up forty six percent from three, so that was good.
4: What was the key to getting up to that number? I presume that was a jump from the previous year. Like, what were some yeah, keys to being able to make 46% from three-point range?
5: Yeah, I jumped 17%. My freshman year, I shot 29% from three. and This year, I shot 46 So it was definitely just uh, staying balanced and trying to just shoot the same shot every time. I feel like that really helped me uh, stay focused on making shots and being consistent.
4: Elijah, do you have a weakness?
5: Oh uh, yeah, I do have a weakness that I'm just trying to work on. I feel like I had too many turnovers. I feel like if I cut down on that day, I'm definitely going to be a kind of a guard for sure.
4: How do you think you will coexist with the Pepperdine transfer, Mike Mitchell? Do you feel like you and him can coexist in the backcourt?
5: Yeah, I definitely feel like we can we can do something in the backcourt. Been that we both are uh, unselfish, I feel like uh, unselfish people playing together, especially gosh is definitely great because that builds good chemistry. And, you know, we're going to be looking for each other because he also shot over 40% three in his uh, last season. So I feel like that's going to be good for us both.
4: Have you had a chance to talk with him? Have you had a chance to talk with any of your other new teammates?
5: Um, I haven't talked to Mike yet, but uh I definitely have talked to, to some people on the on the team, uh most of the team for sure. And we're definitely excited to get it started.
4: Yeah, I mean, so you know, guys like what, like Dawson Garcia, Pharrell Payne, Raiden mm-hmm. Carrington, Joshua Ola Joseph, like you feel like you're building a bond already with those guys?
5: So those are definitely the guys I've been talking to and I definitely like those guys and we're gonna have a great season together.
4: Who well, was it hard to say no to, Elijah? Did you take any other visits?
5: Uh no, I didn't take any other visits, but schools were definitely begging me not to commit when I went on a visit. <laughs> so uh schools like NC State, uh Ole Miss, those are those are the other two schools and, and Richmond, those are the those are the uh the other three schools that, that I was considering. So
4: was it hard yeah. then not to go visit? So you said NC State, so North Carolina State, Ole Miss, and Richmond?
5: Yeah, those are the other schools that, that, that I were uh planning on visiting and Utah too. So I'm but With those
4: Yeah. Was it hard not to go visit those schools? So you didn't visit them, but were they trying to get you on campus for a visit?
5: Yeah, they were trying to get me on campus like right after I got back from uh from Minnesota. So and I just I, I didn't take no – I didn't take the visit. I just committed, so, yeah.
4: Well, tell us a little bit more then. I mean, you told us a little bit, but, like, just take me through that thought process that, okay, what I experienced in Minneapolis at the University of Minnesota, I'm ready to commit. I don't need to go visit Utah, North Carolina State, Richmond, Ole Miss. I know I want to be a gopher. Take us through <laughs> that thought process.
5: I feel like, um, you know, Minnesota was it was it was the great – was the most – uh, the greatest place for me. I feel like uh, it's like it's like very low, low key. Um, and I've never been I never been away from college. I mean, I never been away from home from college. So, I feel like if I wanted to go somewhere, it was, I wanted it to be the right setting, you know, uh, with the right coaches. I feel like Coach Ben, he definitely uh, he wants to give me the opportunity to, you know, help help his program grow. Also, I feel like at Howard before I was here we only won we were they won three games. I felt, I was like they were like three and 20, three three 20 or Something crazy like that. But uh before before I came here we only they only won three games and, and when I came we we uh won sixteen and then we just won twenty three games. So I feel like that to be a big hope to, to help Minnesota uh win some more games and I feel like that's what I wanna be a part of something that I can help help, help, help program, help the program grow and, and be the start of something. So I feel like that was good for me. And I feel like they have all the tools to help me get there with, with the strength and conditioning and the skill development and uh, the nutrition and all that type of stuff. Is, is definitely great for me. So once I've seen all of that, and I love the players on the team, so we built a group. We have a good relationship. I feel like we bonded well while I was on the trip. So I just felt like that was the best place for me.
4: So you definitely view yourself as a starter. I mean, looking at your numbers, I mean, I think you're coming here, you're going to start, but in your mind, like you're a starter and a finisher, so you're going to be playing crunch time at the end of games?
5: For sure. That's definitely that's definitely my, my role that I see myself playing.
4: So when will you arrive? What will the next handful of weeks look like for you?
5: Um, I'll go to campus on uh, June 3rd, so I have about, you know, a couple weeks. Couple of weeks left of uh, being here. I'm, we'll be working out on this stuff, um, and I'm really just, you know, preparing for for, uh, for Minnesota to get there and get started on working out with the team and stuff. So I'm just working out right now at home.
4: What else is important to know about you, Elijah? As we tell your story, I'll leave you with this. What What else should we know about you?
5: My story is just I went to DeMatha uh, in high school. I uh, played JV two years. I mean, for one year, and then I played varsity for the rest. We won the championship. I definitely won a championship on, on every level. I, I think, yeah, I won the championship in middle school for the math. We won the championship. I won a championship at Howard, so I'm definitely a winner.
4: Very nice, Elijah. Wishing you all the best, and we'll see you here in Minneapolis, heck, in just a handful of weeks.
5: Yes, sir. Appreciate you.
4: Okay, Elijah. Thank you so much.
5: I have a bill.
4: You too. So what could the Gophers starting lineup be come November? Is it Hawkins, Mitchell Jr., Ola, Joseph, Garcia, Payne? Like Garcia and Payne at the four and five. We've got Mitchell and Hawkins at the one and two. Who is the starting three? Could it be Isaiah Enan coming back from multiple years of injuries? Is it Ola, Joseph? It'll be interesting. but. Ben Johnson will have some options. All right, we wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 417 with my recent conversation with Gophers Football Commit from the class of 2024. He's from the state of Arkansas. His name is Drake Lindsey. His grandpa is former Vikings running back Jim Lindsey. Here is my conversation with Drake. Drake. Drake, I appreciate the time. Congratulations on your commitment here to the University of Minnesota. Take us through. I mean, you had options. Why yeah. do you want to be a Golden Gopher? Uh, So, really, I, I
0: facetime Coach Fleck about a week before I took my visit. And I love Coach Harbo and all the coaches, but Coach Fleck really made a difference for me, just how relatable and personable he is and how much he really cares about his players it means a lot to me. And then, so... When I got up here on my visit, I've already been to Minneapolis, so I love it down there. And then I went on the campus, really liked the area. The facilities are really, really nice. And then Coach Harbo and Coach Flegg just really sealed the deal. Just talking to them in person for two days straight just really made it the deal. Just how, how great coaches they are and how great people they are.
4: So was it quick? So, like, the first time you and PJ connected? Like did you feel that bond like snap your yeah. fingers? I
0: felt it I felt it immediately. Like really quick. I I I had never felt it with any other coach. So I really that really made a difference.
4: Is there a sense of relief? I mean, I can only imagine the recruiting yeah, process. I, at times it can be I'm sure enjoyable, but at other times draining. How much yeah. of a sigh of relief is it that you have your commitment out of the way?
0: Uh it's a huge like huge relief cuz I mean it is a lot just having to like text a good amount of different people and talk to a good amount of different people. And then different schools are coming to watch me practice and like not having an idea where you're going to end up is definitely like kind of mind boggling because you're like, Oh, I could end up here, or here. So it's, it's, it, when I committed, it was definitely like a big relief, like knowing that I'm going to a place I'm familiar with and that I really like. And also just like how how good the coaches and system is and how well i can fit the system is a huge relief cuz the offense fits me really well and then coach fleck fits me like a glove so there's nothing really else i could ask for
4: Expound on the system how your skill set how you play how that fits really well with what the gophers are trying to accomplish
0: okay so yeah um i'm i'm a drop back guy but you know i have i've quick feet i can move around i have really good pocket awareness strong arm accuracy but i mean so Coach Harbo designed his designing his offense around Ethan right now, and what they've told me is like, so we bring in guys based on their skill set and what we like, and then whoever's going to be our starting guy, we're going to base our offense more around what he can do specifically. So like, right now they're basing their offense more on Aethan because that's what's going to make their team better is basing it off their personnel. So when I get there is what 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 they've told me is like. When you get here, when it's your time to start, we're going to base our offense around you and what your skill set is. And then say the backup might have – we're going to have the same offense, but he, we might call a different variety of plays for him because his skill set is completely different. So. so
4: give us a little bit more, Drake, on your game. So drop back passer, but you've got the ability to make some plays with your feet, but give us a little bit more detail on on the player you are. Like if one had to write a scouting report about the player you are, what would be in that scouting report? Um.
5: Hmm, let me think
4: um,
0: I'm a vocal leader. I'm not too too outgoing, but i'm I'm outgoing with my teammates when when stuff's going wrong, I'm gonna get us in the right direction, put us where we need to go, and then when stuff's going right, you just gotta keep your foot on the gas and let's keep it going. don't let up, and then also I mean playing wise, you know I'm gonna start off when we when the game starts, we gotta start with the same energy that the whole game don't let up at all the whole game because it can get, when you're up, it can get easy to just be like, all right, let's take a little off. So, I mean, just keeping my teammates going and then playing wise. I mean, I feel like I kind of told you, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to get the ball out of my hands quick. I, I know how, I know when I can feel pressure. I know where it's coming from. I have a good feel for the game. Um, I'm very instinctive. Like when I, I have a very – my pocket awareness is just instinctive. Like I, when something, someone's coming, I can kind of just feel it without even really seeing it. You just kind of – you feel like you're seeing it out of the corner of your eye. Um, and then really just leading my teammates, I mean, on and off the field, making sure everyone's doing the right thing.
4: Do you have a weakness or maybe a better way to frame that is, where do you need to get better as you go from high school yeah. year in a year all the way up here to the Big Ten?
0: Yeah, um, I would say. I mean, knowing when to knowing when to run, because sometimes you know I can take off and it's not a good time to take off, uh, and just continuing to understand defenses and continuing. I understand defenses really well, but it gets more complicated. So understanding when when someone's going to roll to the middle of the field, understanding when this guy's going to blitz and we have a quick RPO and I need to get it out, Um, really those things.
4: Will you be up here early? So will you graduate high school early? Is the idea that you'll be up here, what, January of 2024?
0: Yes, sir, that is what I'm planning on doing.
4: How important is that for you to get on campus as soon as possible?
0: Uh, I mean, that's huge because for me and especially the quarterback, you want to go through that spring to try and grow because it's going to be a hard adjustment. So just being able to learn and grow that first spring and get that under my belt and learn the playbook and just continue to grow, that spring will be great.
4: Take me back to that moment when you let Coach Fleck know, hey, I'm in. I want to be a gopher. What was that moment like?
0: Uh, So I was in Coach Harbo's office. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to go talk to him alone real quick because my family was there. And um, I walked in there. And we were talking for a minute, and I was just like, Coach, I'm going to be a gopher. And then <laughs> he was like, "He was like, are you sure? Are you 100%? And I was like, yes, sir, I am. Because like, he was like, because yeah, we need to know if you're 100%. I was like, yes, sir, I'm 100% locked in. He's like, all right, well, let's get this thing going. And then we just went and got my family, and he congratulated us all. And then we just kept talking from there.
4: Who well, is it hard to say no to? I mean... Good to be in your position, right? Yes, yeah. overwhelming at times, but good to have multiple suitors, right? I mean, there were a handful of programs yeah. that wanted you. So who was it hard to say no to?
0: I mean, Colorado State was pretty hard um, just because Coach Mummy had built a great relationship with me. So it was it was just kind of sad at saying no to him. But really just him. That was my – I was, and UNLV also because I had a really good relationship with Coach Odom up there. And Coach Shebest, so I I really love those guys. Like, they're very, very good people. Um, So it was was hard to say no to them, but, I mean, this is the best thing and best option for me, so it just makes sense, and they understand.
4: You touched on your connection here to Minnesota. You're wearing that Vikings sweatshirt. Okay, so when's the first time you came here to Minnesota, and your grandpa, I have this right, your grandpa played for the Vikings?
0: Yes, sir, he did. So um, my grandfather played at Arkansas from 62 to 65 won a national championship at Arkansas. And then he actually so back then the draft was a little weird. I'm not ex- sure exactly how it worked, but he got drafted to the Bills and then the Vikings. And I'm not sure if it was a choice, but he ended up going to the Vikings, played for 7 years. He was a captain of the special teams. He rotated at running back and he was uh they lost in Super Bowl 4 to the Chiefs. Um and then so the first time I went to Minneapolis was twenty eighteen. It was the Vikings versus the Dolphins. It was like week thirteen or something. And we went on the field. I got to meet like Dan Marino, Minka Fitzpatrick, some guys like that. So it was awesome. And then I went this previous the playoff game against the Giants this year. So I was up there in January.
4: Very cool. How often do you and your grandpa swap stories about his time with the Vikings?
0: Oh, uh, so Actually, so now, so from all the hitting, he has a uh, short-term memory loss. So it's kind of hard to communicate. I talked to him the other day about it, and he, he'll talk to you for a minute. It's just he can't fully understand. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard at times, but he uh, he's doing better. He's doing good, so.
4: Well, I'm sorry to hear about the short-term yeah. memory loss. I mean, you so, yeah. hear about all these former football players, what they've had to deal with. Post career, right? I mean, yeah. you know, just those, it breaks your heart. But I'm glad yeah, you're still. Yeah, I'm glad he's yeah. still with us. How about your parents? I mean, I'm sure your parents have a bunch of Vikings related stories. Do you swap stories with them? Yeah. So my
0: dad was really little. My dad was three three years old, and then he retired when he was like five. So my dad really doesn't have too many because he didn't. He doesn't really remember going to any games. But he would usually just stay at home. Um, with his uh older brother, so they would usually just stay at home. But he didn't really tell me. He he told me some. He doesn't really he hasn't really told me any Viking stories, to be honest.
4: Is it pretty cool though? I mean, just kind of full oh. circle, right? Like you're a young man yeah. in Arkansas, but you've got these ties here to Minnesota. That you've got this history here with Minnesota.
0: No, yeah, it's definitely crazy. Uh, I feel like it's just my journey because a lot of my family has gone to Arkansas, and I'm really the first to branch out. So it is definitely. I feel like I'm on my own path and journey. So it definitely is like a blessing. I just feel like something's brewing up there. So we'll we'll just have to see.
4: Drake, I'll leave you with this. What else is important to know? Is we tell the story of your journey? Is there anything we didn't touch on that's important for us to know?
0: Not too much. I just expect. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get up there and just get after it, and expect expect big things from our class for sure
4: you have big plans this summer? Like, how will you develop this summer before your senior football season begins?
0: Yeah, um, I'm doing the Elite 11 camp this weekend in Pennsylvania, so I'm going up there for that. Hopefully I make the finals, so we'll see. But uh, really just practicing with my high school team. I mean, continuing to work with all my receivers to build the best connection we can get um, and continue to grow. Because, you know, spring ball can be a little hard because you're still trying to learn. The offense is still trying to learn things. The defense already knows exactly what they're doing. So we're still trying to grow and learn, and we're still adding plays. So I'd say really just this summer just going out with my guys as much as I can and getting better and better and stack stack days on top of days.
4: What are your measurables? So how tall? How much weight? Um, Six, four and a half, about 225. Are you still growing? like are the growth plates still open, or are you done at six four and a half? I haven't got met I haven't got checked on my growth plates in a while, but I've been around the same height for a while
0: now, like six or eight months, so I mean I wouldn't be surprised if I got another half inch, but I'm pretty much done,
4: but even at six four and a half, I mean that to me, yeah. that screams ideal height for a quarterback. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, for sure yeah, I'm definitely a great height for the position.
4: Perfect. Drake, thank you so much. This was fun. Yes, I sir. appreciate getting to know you and all the best. And, and we'll certainly stay in touch.
0: Yes, sir. For sure. I appreciate you.
4: That's a nice young man. Enjoyed getting to know Drake. He'll be on campus here. Heck, right when the calendar flips to 2024. All right. We are done here on Scoop Podcast episode 417. Enjoy the rest of this extended weekend, this holiday weekend. Stay safe. Stay sane.